All right, welcome in. Cube Show Podcast, a college football podcast that comes to you each and every Sunday. Here's what we got for you today. We're continuing our spring preview series, Arkansas Razorbacks. One of the best returning quarterbacks in college football. One of the best returning tailbacks in college football. We know that. What do we not know? Well, there's a lot because the portal has been busy in Fayetteville. Players in, players out. What's the impact of some of those? Obviously, there's some coaching changes as well. I think Sam Pittman has done a pretty good job. When you got to change both coordinators, it's usually a complete overhaul. But he's kept the core nucleus of some of those guys in. And I think that's going to be a big benefit moving forward with the new coordinators that they do have in. Alabama, Nick Saban, spring practice happening there. I want to point out one thing that he said that you need to be paying attention to that I think is going to be massive for what Alabama is going to be on offense this season. Lane Kiffin continues to bring up one individual player. I want to talk about that and just kind of what that means as well. So that series of spring football previews, we're going to keep that coming at you. And we're going to keep, keep talking about the spring football games on Sundays as well. So if you missed us in the fall, and you're just on board. First off, we appreciate that. Please, five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We always appreciate that. Um, on YouTube, if you please subscribe, tell your friends, tell all your college football folks, you got to check this out. We always appreciate that. We love you for that. And, you know, the comments have been coming in a lot on the Texas A&M, a lot on the Kentucky previews that we've had. We appreciate you guys, the feedback. We love the feedback there. Uh, at Cube Show on Twitter, at Cube Show on Instagram. Please go follow there. Uh, we try to give you a little bit of extra content out on those. Um, but as spring games happen, we will review those on Sunday. We'll go back and check the tape and tell you what we saw. During the fall, basically how this whole thing began was my Sunday takeaways on Twitter for each and every team, which I watch all the film of all the games. So now we just bring that to you. So if you stick with us to the fall, we're just going to bring you the games, the X's and O's, what we saw from the film, breaking it down, diving in, and we're going to give you all of that. So we got a great show coming up for you today. As you know, we're always brought to you by Wickles Pickles, wickedly delicious. I have massive jars of pickles here in my home that my children love, and they always seem to find a way to get into those and snack on those. We always appreciate Wickles Pickles being a sponsor of the show. Find them in your local grocery store, your local restaurants might have things. I've told you about those those different recipes that they have up on their Instagram page, at Wickles Pickles on Twitter and Instagram. Find them there. They are fantastic. All right, before we dive into Arkansas and what's happening through spring practice there, uh, take just a quick peek around some of the other things happening in the SEC. Nick Saban, uh, we know Alabama's in the middle of their spring practice right now. Quarterback competition happening. A lot of voids going to have to be filled with a lot of players going to the NFL. But this stuck out to me, and so we'll preview Alabama down the road. We'll have a whole show dedicated to it. We'll talk about all of it. But this stuck out to me from Nick Saban, something that he said, and it stuck out to me for a couple of reasons. But when you think about where this offense is going, what this offense is going to be under Tommy Reese, what this offense is going to look like with a new starting quarterback, Coach Saban addressed a little bit of what he has seen from the offense so far this spring. Well, I think what we did last year is what we needed to do to try to win. So I'm not being critical of what we did last year. And we didn't run the ball well enough last year, but we featured the players that we had. Bryce was an outstanding player, and we wanted to have him do what he could do. But I think if we have better balance, I think it'll take a little pressure off the quarterback. So uh, I think the offensive line has done a good job so far. I like where we're heading and what we're doing. Um, I think the scheme that we have to run the ball is uh, well tied together. So 
Um, hopefully, between that and play action passes, we can make a few more explosive plays, not just rely on dropping back all the time. I think that would be very helpful. Okay, so a couple of key takeaways from that that I really like from Nick Saban. The run scheme being tied better to the passing game. Also, when he says not just dropping back all the time, I had Alabama twice in the first four games last year, and I talked to Coach Saban on the field before the game uh, at practice on Friday afternoon. We met with him as a TV crew. He hammered this point, hammered it, and it was something that you could visibly tell drove him bonkers. You knew it pissed him off. And I think what he's saying is it becomes way too easy for defenses when you just drop back. And it's just take snap, drop back. And what coordinators can do from a coverage perspective, from a blitz perspective, stunts up front with your defensive line, the mentality of the defensive linemen and what they have to attack. But most likely the thing that bothered him the most about that is what you don't have to worry about because he knows a defense that's allowed to play you in a very aggressive way especially situational defense is going to give you massive advantages. And you go back to, this is why this is, he loves balance and he loves true balance. You go back four or five years ago, the RPO took him too far away from the run game. And he excused the offensive line in the run game by saying, well, if our quarterback's just going to keep pulling the ball out of the belly and throwing it, even when we get good movement or even when the look says to hand it off, what, what, where are we ever going with the run game? And I think what he's saying last year, we had to play to our strengths. Bryce Young was the strength last year. Offensive line didn't play great. Uh, now you had a running back that was dynamic, but when the O line's not playing great, sometimes that doesn't matter. So they understood that those two players, Jameer Gibbs, Bryce Young's, were going to be the catalyst and the offense needed to go through them. And then everything else would somewhat work itself out. I think what he wants to do is tie it all together now, where you have specific run plays that can work at a higher percentage of the time. Then you play action off those plays. That opens up different things in different areas of the field. But most important, it forces defenses to not only pay attention to what you're going to do and what you could do and defend you in a little bit of a different way by alignment, but also by mentality. So how you line up and what you're worried about as opposed to what you're not worried about. Because if you got a linebacker that's not worried about the ball being handed off, that's a big advantage. If you got a defensive end that's not worried about a draw, or a quarterback leaving or handing the ball off, all of a sudden he's got an array of pass rush moves that he can utilize because he can get way outside, he can get wide, he can do a lot of different things and not worry about other plays that are coming. So that really stuck out to me, and I wanted to sort of play that clip and fast forward into what we're going to talk about with Alabama a little bit down the road because I know all you Bama fans that are listening are anxious about the Alabama preview. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the spring. Um, Also, from an Ole Miss perspective, quarterback competition happening there as well. I find it very interesting that, and yeah, sometimes he's been asked about it, but in the initial spring press conference, Lane Kiffin has gone out of his way to discuss Jackson Dart and gone out of his way to compliment Jackson Dart. Every coach to compliment players is, yeah, it's great. It's nice. It's good. But there are a lot of folks like Greg McElroy, who I do a morning radio show with in Birmingham on Jocks 94.5, jocksfm.com, 7 to 10 a.m. weekdays. Jock, listen to that. He thinks Spencer Sanders is the dude, no matter what. Doesn't really matter. Now, Walker Howard is not going to be the guy this year, but you still anticipate he'll be around. Uh, the difficulty in Dart maybe going somewhere else could determine whether or not he's on this Ole Miss roster come fall. Are all three going to be there? I just find that hard to believe based on where we are in today's college football. But I find it very interesting that Lane brings in two other quarterbacks and he keeps going out of his way 
to compliment and discuss and say nice things about his returning starter. Keep that in mind, returning starter in Jackson Dart. So that's one that we're going to be watching. We're going to talk about that. And obviously our Ole Miss preview comes pretty soon as well. We're going to get to every team. And then when we get to the games, we'll we'll review those for you on Sundays as we would during the regular season, all the SEC action. All right, so Arkansas, spring practice underway. They took some time off, had spring break. Then they came back. Uh, they've had some live periods, gone with some scrimmage-type practices. The first thing I want to go into, though, are, are coordinator changes and, and the coaching staff, because that's going to be a big part of it. Keeping Sam Pittman there is huge because you know he, he is kind of the, like we talked about with Coach Stoops and that blueprint, that foundation for Kentucky last week or two weeks ago, is similar with, with Sam Pittman. Like, the guy is just real. He gets it. He understands it. People gravitate to him for a reason. Uh, there is no nonsense, no BS with Sam Pittman. Now, that can be in, in how forceful he is with handling some discipline things, and that can be you know how he just treats his guys when they're not playing well or when they're playing great, or his assistant coaches, because guys love coaching for him just as much as some of these guys like playing for him. But there's still a lot of difficulties all around college football today, so he's got to manage all of that. Uh, I think Travis Williams is a great get. Do I think that Barry Odom is a bad defensive coordinator? No. I think he and Michael Shear going to UNLV are going to do some good things, better things than have been done there in a while. Not that there have been a lot of great things done there ever, which is kind of a question mark to me, but a conversation for another day. Um, I think you bring in a young, energetic kid who relates to the players. I know Travis very well. Obviously, he played at Auburn. I played at Auburn. We've known each other for a long time uh, for a lot of different reasons in a lot of different ways whether it's been me covering defenses he's coaching or players he's coaching in the media or him asking me about certain things or me covering him when he was a player, the Auburn alumni stuff. Like, I just, I know him really well. The players will absolutely love him. They will love playing for him. He brings a different energy from his guys. And maybe some of what Barry was doing got a little bit stale and it was just kind of time to move on. So I, I, I do think, too, that from a personnel standpoint, the defenses the last few years got a little bit obsessed with running a certain scheme that wasn't necessarily the base scheme, but it worked at times and tried to sort of make that the defense more times than they needed it to be. Um, but you do what works and you do what you've got the guys to be able to do. That's why I said last year that one reason I wasn't as confident about the defense was they didn't have that guy in the middle. And you go back Ridgeway and Richardson, they, they had that guy in the middle the last couple of years, and then it didn't look like they were going to, and it didn't feel like things would be the same. Either way, Barry's going to do fine. He's, he's, a, he's a great coach, but Travis coming in brings some new life, some new energy. And with Marcus Woodson and Deron Wilson coming in, handling secondary, however you want to move that around, whatever it is, I, I, I think you're going to have a little bit of new life on that side of the football. Could it be a whole lot worse? No, it couldn't. Not in the secondary. Part of that injuries. I get it. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they didn't have guys beat up in the secondary. They absolutely did. Um, so you've got to figure out, number one, how to build some depth and try to stay healthy there. Number two, I do think that they'll play more four down. They're going to go to more of an even look. That's what Travis runs. It's what, he, what, he, what he's going to run. And I think that'll help because I think your rotation can be a little bit different. Um, I don't think as many guys will take on blocks at different angles up front that will be as detrimental to them so they might not be as beat up there and I, I think you're you're going to have a better chance to be able to affect the pocket in passing situations whether it's how you rush the passer how many are rushing the passer or where you rush the passer from 
just in order to be able to help that secondary. You listen, yeah, Drew Sanders last year, he was amazing. Hell, he by himself helped that secondary out. But you see, you just need more than that. And so it's not always going to be just adding numbers on the back end. It's not always going to be having one dynamic pass rusher. It all has to work together. And then, too, I think what four down does, it evens things out a little bit more. So I do think the recognition of it, the alignment of it, understanding the assignment of all of it is going to be a little bit easier, a little more simple for this defense. So on that side of the ball, there's a lot that I think you look at that you probably like. Uh, The portal. Been interesting with Arkansas as well. Adrian Greer coming over from uh, USF. I had the Florida game against him last year. I think that was his best game. I've watched him play. He's super active. He's he's going to help right away. Um, you know, Jaheim Singletary's not there yet, but he's coming over from Georgia. Cornerback's going to help. Orlando Johnson, cornerback from Baylor, going to help. Uh, Trajan Jeffco, a Missouri defensive line that was super active last year. If you missed our Missouri preview, go back a couple of episodes. It's there now. You'll hear me talk about what that D-line did last year. They were a problem for a lot of people. Put the Georgia film on, and you'll see what an issue that they were for a lot of teams that they played. He was a key cognizant in that, and he'll be someone who comes in and helps right away. Um, Al Walcott, safety from Baylor, is going to come in and help a little bit. Uh, John Morgan's a really interesting player out of Pitt. I think we actually previewed him when we were doing Portal Kids a couple weeks ago, a month or so ago, and just talked about what he was going to add to Arkansas. We'll spend more time on him today, but the portal has been nice to Arkansas defensively. Now it took some guys away. Um, you know, you lose Jalen Catalan. No, he hasn't been healthy a lot, but when he has been healthy, he's maybe the best safety in the SEC at times. Uh, Jordan Dominic is going to be gone up front as well. So there are a couple of guys that are going to be on their way out, and then you lose a couple of guys as well. We mentioned Drew Sanders was super dynamic, man. Like you lose Hampton up front, you lose Bumper Pool, who was just solid for years on that defense. A guy that just not only made plays, did things the right way in the locker room, around the facility, on the field, in the huddle. And, you know, from a leadership perspective, was somebody you just want around your guys. And, uh, you know, Latavius Brady also going to be gone, which secondary is what it is. To hit the reset button on the secondary, probably not a, a bad thing right now. So with some of those being added, what are you looking at for this team? Well, you start up front. All right, so defensive end Landon Jackson. He will be one of the guys that makes this thing go. He'll be opposite Trajan Jeffcoat, the Missouri transfer at defensive end. Um, I think from what I'm hearing, Landon Jackson has been off the charts this spring. The, the light has come back on or come on brighter or just come on, whatever it is. Like he has bought in, he has dialed in, he is improving on a rep by rep basis through the spring. And it's going to be a massive help for this Arkansas defense once we get out there. Um, so I talked about John Morgan, the transfer as well. So interesting with Morgan, what he did at Pitt and what he's going to be asked to do now. Didn't take on as many blocks at Pitt. It was more of a vertical defense, like attacking upfield. So he's really good at slipping blocks. Like he can sort of, you know, he can he can wedge his way underneath a guy or around a guy. He's very slithery, but he's also, he's got good bulk. Like he's put together well. He's got long arms. I think he's about 270 pounds. So I think he can be someone, if he continues to learn how to take on blocks, which he's going to have to do in this scheme, I think he can be a really big help for this Arkansas defense. Doesn't mean he's a starter, day one, do everything guy, but I do think he can really help uh, be a guy. And I I saw him drop a little bit at Pitt, do some different things like that. He's actually pretty good in space. There are a couple times he dropped off, back catches the ball to the backfield, he makes the tackle in open field. 
where the quarterback would run, it would be an elusive quarterback. He makes tackle in open field. So I think John Morgan's going to be a guy who helps this defense a lot. I, I think he is someone who absolutely will be there to help. Um, you go inside, I think you get, well, defensive ends, by the way, I think you got, you got Jeffco, Morgan, and then I think Stewart and Jackson are probably your four guys that are going to get you know most of the run there. And most of the guys that are going to probably get, like, Deshaun Stewart, I think, is a guy that's been around for a while, but I think he can help a little bit. Uh, and numbers there, obviously, are going to be big and, and going to be able to help out some. So I think there are multiple players that are going to be able to roll in and out. And then, too, I think you have situations where guys can go inside maybe in some jet packages, some pass rush packages, and help you out that way. Like, Eric Gregory is a guy who's played outside a lot. But now he's going to be down inside a little bit more. So I think you'll see Eric Gregory inside. Cam Ball is you know 6'3", 305. Excited about him, what he can do. I think he helps inside. Uh, Torrin Carter, we've heard a lot about Torrin Carter over the last few years. Was looking great in camp last year. Had an ACL last year. We haven't seen a ton of him on the field, even though he's been there for a few. He's someone I think that could help inside. So I, I think that the numbers up front, are maybe as good as they've been in a long time. Uh, you know, Nico Devalier is someone else who I think can help inside a little bit. Um, so I, there's not a ton of dynamic guys in the middle of this defense, but you have bodies who can roll in and you have some versatility there. And keep in mind, you're playing four down. So it's not like you, you have to have that one nose that's playing zero head up on the center that has to disrupt and cause problems all the time. It doesn't have to be that. So with a more even front, I don't think you, it's not designed to be as heavy and as bulky. So you don't need that giant nose guard, that big body to just take on blocks all the time. Now, it doesn't mean you can get pushed two and three yards off the ball and be successful. But I do think a lot of that group with numbers has a chance to be okay. And they should be really good off the edge with the kind of players that they have and the numbers that they have. So that will be, a big advantage moving forward. That linebacker, Chris Paul, kind of the guy for this defense right now. Athletically, do I think he's a little bit limited? Yes. He can run. Um, instincts, maybe not as good as you see from some other guys, but I think he understands what his job's going to be, how to help other people with their job, and I think he's going to end up being a pretty good player. Then Antonio Greer comes in. He's your more athletic linebacker from USF, a guy who I think can line up, do different things. He can line up different places and he can help out uh, in a whole lot of different ways. Jordan Crook will help a little bit. Um, you know, smart, smart player, shorter, 5'10-ish, I think. But again, I think once you get past the D-line, and I'm not saying the D-line are guys that have high football IQ or aren't smart players. That's just not really how they're qualified a lot of the time, like you are at second and third level because they have to verbalize and do different things and see different things. It's much more read, react than it is just go get, see ball, get ball. But I think this, this second, third level of this defense have a chance to be maybe not overly outstanding like a Drew Sanders was last year, but have a good understanding of where to be, how to get there, where to line up, and what the coverages are. Then you go further with how to disguise certain coverages, how to come off certain things and be able to help. So I, I, I think you have veterans, you have high IQs, and you have guys that have been around a lot of football. That being said, I think you have a chance to have a better overall defense from an understanding of why we're out here and, and what our ultimate goal is. And I think 
not just from a linebacker perspective, like I think Manny Powell is a guy that will help a lot on special teams. Uh, do I see him being in the regular rotation at linebacker? No, but I think he shows up and does the right thing. True freshman Carson Dean and either Mike or Sam is going to help some. Now, what extent? I don't know. It's going to depend on practice leading up to the first game. But I think he's a guy that will come in and will help and will do some different things. So there are some numbers like Manny Powell, who I talked about. The kid apparently has come a long way. So how much further can he go by the time the season starts? We don't know the answers to that yet, but could be somebody else who helps his defense. A lot of veterans, a lot of older guys. You hear a lot about the football IQ and how smart they are, and that's going to be a big benefit, which takes me to Hudson Clark, a guy that. I don't, I don't know if he's a fan favorite right now. I know there are a lot of people that say, why does he play? Why is he still in? Former walk-on, super tough, gets it, understands it, um, and now is, is back at safety. I'm going to tell you this. He's, he ain't coming off the field. So for some people who may not like certain parts about it or maybe those complainers, which every fan base has, he's not coming off. The guy's too damn smart. He understands what everybody else is supposed to be doing. He can line up the other guys. And he is that player that every defense has to have. Alabama's defense last year was a perfect example of this. Everybody looked at Henry Toa and said, well, he doesn't make the plays like the other guys did. Was was he Reuben Foster? No. Was he showing up at a counter before the ball was handed off, essentially? No. Was he beating pulling guards to to their spots and taking them on before they even really got out of their stance? No. Reuben Foster did that. Um, You know, some of those Alabama linebackers that we've seen lined up inside could do those things, but Toto didn't do that. But you tell that coaching staff, and they'll tell you, we can't take his ass off the field because nobody else can know what to do. And there are certain guys like that. In, and I'll be honest, Travis was almost one of those guys. I mean, Travis Williams, if you Arkansas fans get a, a, a chance to get next to him or stand next to him, I mean, now the dude's like 178 pounds. I mean, he played inside linebacker in the SEC at like 218. And he played it well. And I got right next to him and on Terrence Williams that did the same thing. Both of them were super light, but they knew where everybody was supposed to be, how to get them lined up, and they played their asses off. I mean, they played like their hair was on fire. So he Travis knows how to deal with that. He understands that. He's okay with that. He's not going to look at a guy and say, oh, you're not 225-pound safety that runs 4-3, you can't play. Or you're not 250-pound inside linebacker, can't play. That's not, he's not going to do that. It's not what he's about. So Hudson Clark is a guy that can get everybody lined up and can help everybody understand what's happening and how to manage things. From the back end down. Also on the back end, I think what you'll probably look at from a corner perspective, Ladarius Bishop, he had a knee. I think he just got cleared, so he's going to be back, start practicing. You've got the freshman, Jalen Braxton, who, I listen, I'm not a super recruiting nerd guy, but I think he's one of the highest ranked guys they've signed in a long time. He, he's going to come in and help. He's going to play. I don't know if he starts day one and he's a lockdown starter right away, but he's going to help. We know we, we've already addressed that they need help at corner, but and he's going to be a guy who's talented enough to be able to do it. Jaheim Singletary coming over from Georgia, big time prospect, big time talent, will help at corner. So, and then Lorando Johnson from Baylor. I, I think Lorando ends up being your nickel. Uh, I think his skill set kind of fits it. And I think Travis will probably look at him being able to help them more there. So, now all of a sudden, but he could go to corner if he needed to. So now all of a sudden, you've got numbers at corner with similar or better talent than you had a year ago. Um, this will all come down, in my opinion, to one, staying healthy, and two, just overall understanding. I, 
I hate saying the bend but don't break thing because I think there's a negative connotation on that. But I really do believe that this defense could sort of be that kind of a defense. And when I say that, I don't mean it from a negative perspective of, well, they're not going to be able to get tackles for loss, or they're not going to be able to get sacks or picks, or they won't have a dynamic player. It's just they're not going to rely on two, three dynamic players to get them out of jams all the time because the scheme is going to be the most important part. And if they play within that and understand that, I think they have enough veterans, enough talent, and maybe now enough depth to really take a big step defensively in the SEC this fall. All right, so that's that's sort of the defense, and there's a lot to iron out there. I get it. I understand it because there's so many moving parts. There's transfers coming in, transfers going out. There's new guys here and there. There's a new scheme, new system, new coaches. It's a lot. I get it. But I do think it's got a chance to be a pretty big step ahead of where it was last year, and that's with a super dynamic guy up front in Drew Sanders and then you know a veteran like Bumper Pool who made a lot of plays. So we'll We'll see, but I, I feel good about it. I'm a big fan of what uh, Coach Pittman did on the defensive side of the football from a staff perspective. Offensively, staff perspective, Dan Enos comes in, but Kenny Guyton stays with the receivers. Cody Kennedy, who's great, stays with the offensive line. You bring in Morgan Turner from Stanford to work with the tight ends. He's been there like 12 years. Think about all the great Stanford tight ends we've seen. I mean, so that's a position that I think Dan Enos going to want to utilize a little bit more in a little bit of a different way. And now you got a coach that knows how to go recruit it, develop it, find it, and coach it. That's great. But some of that core is still there with Sam, who you know spends more time over there as a former offensive line coach. So that I, I love the fact that a lot of the continuity will still be there. Dan Enos, he's been there. He knows the landscape. He understands all that part of it. So there's not going to be a ton new to him from that perspective. Here's what I like about Dan Enos. We have seen... And listen, we've seen this before, but we've seen Dan Enos in the MAC be quarterback run heavy. We've seen him be more pro style with a straight drop back quarterback. We've seen him be more spread based. We've seen him utilize a little bit of tempo. Dan Enos to me is one of those coordinators that is the epitome of what we have is what we're going to go with. And keep in mind, not a lot of people talk about this. And the kid just went to the Super Bowl and was very responsible for his team getting to the Super Bowl. But remember after two years of Jalen Hurts when all these Alabama fans started saying, ah, he's just a runner and he's just big and strong. He can't throw. He's not accurate. He throws ducks, whatever. Who came in and worked with them? And then all that stuff started to get better. Dan Enos. I'm not saying K.J. Jefferson needs a ton of work as far as things that he can't improve on. But if some of the precision and some of the understanding and some of the vision does get a little bit better, and if some of the footwork cleans itself up, and maybe gives him some things that he's a little more comfortable with since he can mix and match a little bit more coming out of Kendall's scheme, watch out for K.J. Jefferson. That's the good news with Dan Enos and what I love about Dan Enos. He is, we hear a lot of times about quarterback whispers. I think he's great fundamentally with quarterbacks. And then from a scheme perspective, he can do it all. So they'll take what they're best at, and then they'll go forward, and that's what they're going to run. Now, they're not going to get away from the run game, which is, the second best part of what you have coming back in Rocket Sanders. I, I think he's one of the most underrated players in college football last year. I don't know why more people didn't get on board with how good he was. Uh, I think his acceleration is exceptional. He's a guy that can kind of do the Le'Veon Bell sort of tiptoe, wait, 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 patient, patient, and then get to full speed very, very quickly. But he's got bulk and size and strength to go along with that. So he's a very unique back. I'm a big fan of how he plays. Physicality, not a problem for him. 
and somebody who I think this team's going to try to lean on early, even though you have a quarterback that you can also lean on. But you're going to have a young group, new group of wide receivers that come in. And I think that tells the tale here because Hazelwood's going to be gone. Obviously, Trey Knox, who I think was pretty valuable, is going to be gone. And Matt Landers, who you hit the lottery with last year, is going to be gone. So you got some portal guys coming in. You got some younger guys coming in. You got some players who have been there. I don't know how that thing's going to work out. Like I said a few moments ago, though, you got a receiver coach who's been there and been around you. Tyrone Broden comes in uh, from Bowling Green. I don't know how much he can help. I don't know if he's, you know, a, a total difference maker. Uh, you know, Andrew Armstrong, Texas A&M Commerce. I, some of these things can work. Look at Juice Wells in South Carolina last year. Nobody thought a JMU kid was going to come in and just light up the SEC. Well, he did. It can happen at that position. So the fact that you went and took a couple of them that you feel like have the talent to be able to perform and have a little bit of experience out there, I think it's fantastic. The other part of this will be the offensive line. You lose Ricky Stromberg. He was your best, most consistent offensive lineman last year. No one's going to debate that. No one thinks that there's any other way really to look at that. Um, you lose Dalton Wagner, a guy who helped a lot, did a lot of good things. But you've got some numbers back. You've got some guys who've played a lot. Like uh, Brady Latham's played a ton of football. I think he'll end up at left guard. Andrew Chambly there. Guys got good length, could end up at tackle, uh, maybe could bump down. This experimenting stage through the spring is going to continue to happen. Um, you know, Takias Crawford, I think, is a guy that's got good length. Probably should end up at tackle physically, but we'll see. Uh, Bo Limmer's going to be your center. That's going to happen. I, I, I don't really think that there's a, a different way to look at that. But you bring in Joshua Braun from Florida, a guy who has some ability, has done some good things, didn't play a ton of snaps there. You wonder why wasn't he the regular starter there for a longer period of time. But I think a body who can come in and help and sometimes get a new coaching and a new scheme can be of benefit as well. The young kids, Luke Brown and Joey Sua, uh, I think are going to help down the road. I know that, that that group is excited about what they've got and what they bring to the table. So you, you have... You've got some numbers and guys who have played and got some good experience. Like the overall football experience is pretty good up front. Number one, some of this depends on exactly where Dan goes with the system and the scheme. Keep in mind, last year was was fairly offensive line friendly. A lot of zone stuff. You always had the threat of the quarterback run. That was going to lighten the box for you. And then Kendall loves those quick throws. He utilized a lot of motions to remove linebackers from the box. All of those things help an offensive line. And because of all that movement and all the East-West stuff, a lot of defensive lines would not tee off North and South. They would sit back and play you in different ways. They got a lot of run stunts Arkansas did the last few years. That actually opened up some holes at different times. But depending on where Dan wants to go will depend probably how good this group can actually be once they figure out who the five is. Don't panic this spring if you don't come out of it and say, this is the left tackle, this is the left guard, this is the center, right guard, right tackle. It's okay. You have plenty of time going through the summer now with what kids are allowed to do to be able to mix and match and look around and be able to figure that out. And let's keep in mind with all of this that we're talking about. You have a home run hitting tailback that you are going to be able to lean on. You have pretty good depth there at that position as well. And then you have a big time college football quarterback, a guy that can take over a game, a guy that can go win games and someone who's might get a little bit better coaching from a technique and fundamental standpoint and make a big step. So I know there are a lot of question marks around receiver, around tight end, around who the quarterbacks, or excuse me, around who the offensive line is going to be as far as each individual position. But I trust Dan Enos. I trust Cody Kennedy. And I trust Sam Pittman. So I think 
all in all, when I look at Arkansas, I think a lot of people are sleeping on them because they maybe don't have the star power in as many spots as they have a couple of years and years past. But I kind of like how solid they are at a lot of different positions. Now, one thing that we I feel like we say about Arkansas every single year, after seven and six last year, you won your bowl game, closed it out. But Coach Pittman would tell you we didn't do great in those trophy games, and that's what he wants to do. Uh, Western Carolina, Kent State, with their head coaching change that they just made, then BYU, and then you're at LSU, A&M, Ole Miss, Alabama, Mississippi State before bye week. Yikes. South Carolina and Arkansas, I feel like every damn year, we sit here and say it's the toughest schedule in the country. It ain't getting any easier this year. You do add FIU before Missouri, and then you got Florida and Auburn after the bye. It's, it's going to be tough. But keep in mind how many quarterback battles we're going to have in the league in this spring that we're going to be talking about. A lot of teams are going to be a lot different. Last week, we spent some time talking about those coin flip teams that we don't really know. Certain things are going to have to happen for them to get up here or else they're going to stay kind of down here. Arkansas is a team that could take advantage of that with a dynamic tailback, with a dynamic quarterback, and with a defense that makes big strides playing collectively together as a whole. So I think there's a lot to be excited about with this group. I understand there are a lot of question marks, but hell, there's going to be question marks with every group that we talk about. So that's just what it's going to be. All right, we're also brought to you each and every week by Blue Delta Jeans, the most comfortable denim on planet Earth. Custom denim for you. You will never want another pair of jeans. Go to BlueDeltaJeans.com. Tell Nick and the guys you heard about them right here on the Cube Show podcast. And we're going to keep bringing college football content to you every Sunday. Next week, Auburn, Vanderbilt, spring games. And we'll give you spring preview of another SEC football team. But we'll have two spring games to actually go over, talk about, discuss from an X and O perspective what took place, how they happened. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll bring that to you then. As always, please like, rate, review, subscribe. Cube Show 61 on YouTube. Love the comments that have been coming in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cube Show. Please give, uh, give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you for tuning in. More college football content coming to you next Sunday. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.